Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome again to another one of my podcasts. Thank you for uh, tuning in. And for those of you watching on uh, YouTube, which is something I'm now trialing, um, hello to me and hello to um, Tim. Tim is the CEO of uh, Onalytica. And if you haven't heard of them, well, you have now. And they are in the world of, um, dare I say, kind of scary data science, social listening, tracking what you're doing all on uh, online. So um, Tim Nidat is going to correct me on everything. So Tim, over to you. Introduce yourself, who, what, why, when, where, whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me. Uh, I should say uh, totally GDPR compliant. Um, you know, we're not stalking or taking any of your data. Uh, yeah, we, we, we focus on uh, social influence and, and social advocacy. So uh, we're not trying to listen to 7 billion people in the world. We're, we're really trying to identify the influential voices both uh, for your employees but also external influences so that you can uh, really create agile thought leadership content on social and drive you know the, the social selling awareness demand generation whatever your outcome is internally so this might be quite a new topic for some of the audience and certainly when i um work with or talk to clients and you kind of talk around you know social listening in the in the round and then you show them the sort of things that you know companies such as yourself can do they kind of feel that's well, that's quite surprising they didn't really know that that happened and i try and explain generally that you know business to consumer has been doing this for for a while now in terms exactly. of listening to what people are talking about online to drive better advertising campaigns and uh, and so on so you know treat me as an idiot but breaking it down what does this actually mean do how does it work yeah i, th I think i think in one sense it feels new in another sense it's it's not reinventing any wheel i mean the uh, it's probably in b2b and when you look at legal and uh, industries professional services tech for example uh Analyst relations has been around for decades, so has PR. Um, obviously, uh, your marketing, advertising techniques are working less well than they used to. Mm -hmm. um, so really, it's just an extension of PR and analyst relations, but it's, it's, it's engaging this, this anomaly influencer. You know, they're not a journalist, they're not an analyst, but they're influencing your target audience. So um, who are they? You know, we don't have a department that manages these people, mm -hmm. um, but yet, um, they're speaking to our target audience. So um, they're thought leaders, they have engaged networks, and it's just about uh, working with people that have influential networks as, a, as another route to market. So um, I think a lot of people in industry and B2B think, oh, is this TikTok, Instagram, or Snapchat, you know, influencers, I don't have time for this, and then roll out some Kim Kardashian or, or um, you know, some kind of uh, similar story. And, 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 you know, really, it's, it's much more of a, you know, a, a route to market that, that all these companies have been used to doing. But just, I think it's the term influencer. So um, what, what, what's interesting is the ambiguity of that word. I mean, when we talk about influencers, we talk about event speakers, industry practitioners, industry key opinion leaders, uh, social amplifiers, uh, you know, people that are really um, influential on your target audience. Maybe influencer is the, is the issue, mm -hmm. um, the sort of catch-all category term. Uh, I agree, and whenever I talk about <clears throat> influence around um, influencing your intended audience through LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever the platform might be, I always caveat, I'm not talking about 
an Instagram influencer, or actually, although mechanically we're trying to do the same thing in terms of how you leverage content to exactly do that, maybe you know, <clears throat> respected voice in uh, in industry or, or whatever. And uh, although with <clears throat> with TikTok, I mean, you look at their revenue streams in the last couple of months in terms of what uh, what COVID nineteen has uh, done for them a business, but we we won't digress on on that side of things. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, maybe ten years away, so we can we can park it for now. <laughs> yeah, I don't think B two B and TikTok will. Uh, yeah, I think that can be a two thousand and thirty conversation. Indeed. Hopefully, indeed, God knows what yeah. the world looked like in two thousand and thirty. Yeah, um, but it's an interesting thing around this. Uh, and I know primarily you look at um, Twitter, and correct me if I'm wrong uh, on that. But in the world that I'm in, especially in professional services, getting you know the the respect and there are loads of respected voices out there to get them to actually understand that to be on social in the first place it can be a really powerful and to all intents and purposes free other than time uh mechanism to get your voice uh voice out there what, what do you see in terms of working with with clients and how they go around encouraging fear and as the respected voices influences to actually go out and do this and then more importantly you know, like your report showed quite dramatically um, and I'll share the link in the um, in the podcast quite dramatically the impact this can have how what do you find organizations do to help staff employees do this and engage with it yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, uh, first of all, I mean, we focus on LinkedIn and Twitter. Okay. Uh, in terms of a data sourcing, it's obviously easier on Twitter because yep. they make the API available. LinkedIn is a bit of a closed shop, but LinkedIn and Twitter are the two channels that that we support and, and most of our clients deliver mm -hmm. um, you know, against those channels. There's also uh, podcasts, Forbes contributors, uh, and YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and to, to a lesser or greater extent, you can get the data um, to identify influencers or to track them and to then measure the results. Uh, how to get people to engage? I mean, obviously this is, uh, this is an interesting challenge. I, I think one of the interesting things is who's managing the program. Sometimes mm -hmm. social media marketing picks up uh, these kind of social selling or social programs because it has the word social in it. Yeah. Uh, but they're not the best people to drive the motivations of the program because it needs you know, a workshop with 100 salespeople uh, who's run by someone in in marketing is a big challenge for marketing. I mean, marketing get a bad rap sometimes with with sales and uh, and especially when there's business leaders that think that they're too busy for social. So mm -hmm. I think that there's a there's a massive challenge for marketing and social teams. And yeah, data can play a big role in showing uh, that the target audience is on social. And I know that's something that you you um, preach at sort of um, digital leadership uh, associates um, uh, about. Um, you know, be able to speak to thousands of people mm -hmm. in one post rather than just the people in front of you. So yeah. I think everyone gets that it's powerful, but I think uh, the motivations for, especially senior execs, they need to be convinced that their target audience is listening. Yeah. Otherwise, they see it as this uh, marketing venture that's a waste of time. And that's a great, really great point. I'm going to steal that, you know, be, be convinced that your target audience is, is listening. And certainly I get that around, you know, in the legal sector, more so probably than ever. Than ever. My market isn't on LinkedIn or social. And then you just go onto Twitter or LinkedIn and go, there they are, they're having the, um, uh, the conversation. So are you, I'm, I'm guessing you're able to provide some kind of insight in, around what you do that actually their intended audience, the target audience 
is on there and they are listening. Yeah, I think, uh, and so the report that we did on the professional services, mm -hmm. and should I say consultancy firms uh, industry, uh, was looking at the CFOs, CMOs, CTOs, CIOs, and, and look at the influential voices and, and the senior decision makers uh, in there. Because there's both, if you look at the, you know, if you're a big consultancy firm or big legal firm, uh, are you talking to yourself or are you talking to senior decision makers? And are you talking to the influencers that influence the decision makers? So there's three distinct groups, employees, influencers, and decision makers. Uh, and, uh, and once you see that the decision makers and the influencers are having those conversations, then I think it's about trying to get the employees, uh, the senior execs or the subject matter experts to become brand advocates and to co-create the content with those communities so that it's a, it's a really nice social selling exercise. So I think data plays a part uh, in doing that. I think culturally, someone that's not very good on social to then become proficient in social, um, that as you know that that it doesn't just happen overnight and some people will never get there so i think it's about getting the people who are totally inactive to maybe uh to be active in a small way uh to get the people that are already doing it they're already thought leaders to become influencers because they just need a bit of a, a an encouragement and they need to be shown the way i think the people that are spamming the hell out of their audience um, they obviously need to be course corrected um, and then there's the execs that have no time uh, that obviously requires a bit of management uh, quite often a, a helping hand uh, would be able to post some content and and what we found is that if you take a senior exec they're very good at speaking they if you put them in front of an influencer they would chat to them all day and have a great relationship but they wouldn't want to post something on social so a video interview Mm -hmm. with an influential voice and then them saying that that's been seen by five to 15,000 people uh, flicks a switch in their mind and they go, oh, I really enjoyed that. Can I do that again? And then they start getting the engagement, the questions, and then they start paying attention. So we find that that acts as the catalyst rather than um, you know, an exec posting something, getting nothing back and going, see, I told you it was a waste of time, um, which quite often is the, is the case. So I think that it's really challenging, but with some good practice steps, you can you can really get the programs going. Absolutely, and I saw an interesting piece earlier this uh, this week from FTI Consulting around they've done a survey on um, the FTSE 100 and I think Fortune 500, and the, the percentage of CEOs that were on social and the impact that that can have as a leader in a very positive way, um, provided and there's kind of some, you know, some gray areas in this. Is it actually them doing it? It was someone doing it on their, um, uh, on their behalf, but different debate, I guess. Yes. From an employer branding perspective, from a leadership perspective, how incredibly powerful it is. I don't know if you saw, I think it's Bernard Toomey, the new CEO of BP, you know, is very active now on LinkedIn, understands the power of it. And he was like, this is very much me doing it. This is me out there. This is me posting it. And it was really great to, uh, uh, to see. So you know, what, what do you see in terms of, you know, from on your side of the, the fence, as it were, and what you see behind the scenes when you're talking about leadership, so CEOs, managing partners, whomever, you know, those that are, are truly active on, on social, the kind of the reward they get? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's interesting. I think time will, will just, I think COVID-19 has accelerated that. Uh, I, I think just you. Know, I think it was Theo Theo Bafitas who uh, who said that 
he feels it's accelerated a lot of innovation just by five years. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you know, we were saying before that if you're a, a, an exec without a social profile or socially active in 2025, it might be harder to get a job. Yeah. Um, you know, we feel like that might be the right kind of time scale. People are talking about social media now um, like they were email, I think, back in the, um, you know, back in the 80s, mm -hmm. um, you know, which is interesting of like, will email catch on or not? And you know, will social media catch on or not? You know, this is not to the people that are already on social media. They, we're talking about the, maybe the senior execs that are, that are still you know, quite cynical about it. So, um, so I think that that's accelerated uh, you know, the, the, the journey there. And the, the execs that are on social just, just are communicating with more people. I think, they're, I think a social CEO is um, connecting with their employees more. Um, I, you know, I think it has so many benefits. So it's, uh, and the interesting thing is when you look at um, some of the top execs, you believe that they've got a big team doing it for them. And they actually don't want to do that because it's their, um, their voice uh, that they yeah. don't want to be diluted. And so I think the people that have teams doing it, for, of course they have teams that might want to push out an announcement that's being fact-checked and yeah. to use the right hashtags and things like that. But when they're actually speaking from the heart or trying to communicate to the workforce, I don't think they want anyone else you know, doing that. No, I completely agree. It kind of leads on to the, the author and the authenticity piece. I wonder when we'll get to that word. <laughs> and, um, I, I almost have an authenticity bingo in uh, <laughs> in podcast just to see how many uh, how many times because uh, but it's like I mean, everyone mentions it because it's it's the right word. But uh, it's it's tr it's there's kind of a, a follow up to that because you you um, I mean we've we've all seen it right and what's been interesting in in the in the last three months certainly uh, more so on on LinkedIn dare I say it, on Twitter because Twitter can be an absolute car crash at the best of times. Um, but what the, the, the change in kind of narrative I've seen on, um, on LinkedIn, both from a hugely positive side of things, but also from a like, oh my God, you're really posting that. So there's the authenticity piece. And then maybe a slightly bigger question around that. What is, what, what, how do you denote influence? So let's focus on the authenticity piece. And the reason I also talk about authenticity, because it's an amazing list and a report that you've created that some of the characters I, I know, you mentioned the word kind of spamming earlier on. I know that they use heavy automation to, to do it. And I know that there are people, because you look at them across multiple platforms, you're like, there is no way, based on what I know you're doing for a day job, that you are a curating and pushing that content out in exactly the right format across multiple platforms. So yep. is it really you doing it? And then how do you decide who is actually influential? Yeah, I mean, obviously, influences. Uh, there's many different definitions of that, so you can never get the silver bullet influence. You can get indications of this person is doing better. So, of course, you can say that person is more influential than that person at driving this particular metric or figure. Mm -hmm. Or, um, but really, we're just trying to look for the culture, uh, the the drive of the culture. But of course, you know, consultancy firms, legal firms are all obsessed with leaderboards and numbers and stuff like that. So you obviously can't get away from the fact that if you put someone number five or number seven, yeah. you know, they're two places higher. So what have they been doing that I haven't? Um, uh, so to answer your question, I think that the, uh, how they're doing it, um, 
you know, there's obviously going to be there's robots now that are having influence in the world that are automating. And you know, whilst I don't on a personal level think that that's a good thing, uh, we just look at the data of who is driving engagement with your target audience. Mm-hmm. So how they do it, whether they get their you know, son, daughter, friend, have 20 people in their team or do it you know, individually late at night, um, like what, whatever they, their methods are, mm-hmm. Are they posting relevant content that's being engaged with either by your employees, so it's kind of employee communication, employee engagement, um, or by your external audience, and are are they engaging with it? So I don't think when you or someone else posts content, I don't think, how did you post that? Is it you? I I just look at the content. But of course, people start having their own um, prejudices against people that they think have more resources or are automating their account. So um, I don't know how it's going to go in the world. I think that robots are going to obviously be more clever. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Tamara McCleary did some interesting thing in B2B Ignite where she looked at a chatbot and said, uh, and a human and, and asked the audience to say, is this a human or is this a, is this a bot? And they all thought the bot messages were human. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that this is obviously going to be more of a, um, an evolution uh, over the coming years. So, um, so yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I, I imagine I agree with you that you, you want the person to post their own content and you want them to think about a lot of the content, but there's a lot of tools um, now in the, in the workplace that help you bring information to you and then post content on a, on a, on a quicker basis, whether that's, um, you know, anyone like sort of Passel or whether it's, um, uh, or a, you know, a, yeah, or, or a buffer or so. Buffer. So there's, I mean, there's, there's obviously, um, agencies like, like yourself that help with a lot of this. There's, um, there's, uh, influencer advocacy tools like ours, but there's also the publishing automation bits that obviously can help you pump out information. Ultimately, we think that if you're pumping out too much information, not listening or engaging, you're going to, drive less engagement over time. Um, the, the, to answer your question about how we define influence, we, mm-hmm. we broadly use the four R's of, uh, there's reach, which everyone knows, like number of followers or audience size, mm-hmm. just an indication of how much you've earned your brownie points and the stripes, um, excluding the people that have bought followers, which obviously can be found out um, <laughs> now through, through, def, uh, through, uh, through analysis. Um, then there's the relevance, like how much content are they posting on your mm-hmm. topic? And then resonance, which is how much engagement are they getting on that topic? So that's really, really important. And then lastly, uh, reference. So are they being cited by the influential uh, voices okay. in your area? So if you were talking about legal tech, yeah. Um, are the people, are there 5,000 voices in the world that are driving most influence on social and legal tech? Are they referencing you as an individual if you're a legal you. professional? So that would be, are they citing you in an at tweet or an at on LinkedIn or, or, yeah, it, it, ex- exactly. Um, and, and then, and then you see who rises to the, rises to the top of that. So it doesn't matter whether you pump out a thousand messages a day. Uh, you, you're not going to get on that or drive the engagement. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're, you know, if you're just spamming. And do hashtags play, play a, a handle in, in this on, on Twitter, for example, in helping that analysis or, or is, or not really? Um, I, not, not through our methodology. Um, I, I, it's just the, 
No, I think um, I think way back when we used to just look around an event hashtag and things mm -hmm. like that. And if people didn't use it, then they didn't show up on our system. But I mean, now it says lots of derivatives of the word. So if you take something like AI, there's about, you know, as long as my arm search Boolean query um, and lots of different derivatives of how you can how you can talk about AI. So, I mean, that that's not relevant to us. But but I do I do find the. Uh, the network algorithms fascinating on LinkedIn and Twitter because, uh, and I talked a bit, a bit about this um, in some of my videos, and I wonder what you thought that the hashtags plus uh, the people that share your content, you know, to be able to get past the algorithms algorithms in the first hour to mm -hmm. make your content appear viral to LinkedIn, yeah. to obviously have a few questions in there and start getting the comments, and then the combination of that with the hashtags to make it trend within certain distinct communities. Uh, we've always seen that as a bit of a magic, you know, um, yeah, no one knows. A, 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 a magic mix. And so um, we just look at the end result, but the how to drive engagement is a, is an interesting yeah. uh, sort of conundrum. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. The, the nefarious, I mean, t Twitter is slightly, is slightly easier because I mean, uh, you know, the, all the other platforms apart from LinkedIn are pretty open around how the algorithm actually, um, actually works. And I remember having a quite a robust debate with an elderly gentleman from a law firm a couple of weeks ago who got really quite angry with me. Yeah. But, um, what do you mean that on LinkedIn and Twitter, not all my followers see my posts? I'm like, cause that's just how it works. Don't talk to me. You don't talk to product in, in those varying, uh, varying yeah. companies. You know, with with LinkedIn, everyone is continually trying to game um, the system, and they're they're always, you know, tweaking it. And they made a change uh, <clears throat> two weeks ago in terms of now moving to dwell time. And I know dwell time is, is on other uh, on other platforms, trying to give back more to the the passive individual, but also now looking that let's say I comment loads of times on your posts on LinkedIn. What they're now trying to do, as you understand it, is then match my profile against similar other profiles on LinkedIn and then serve your content into their, um, their news feeds. And what we believe is now going to start to look, look at, they're trying to look at the quality of engagement over the quantity of engagement because you see people just hacking the system with some crappy thing they pull from Facebook just to get the views and the, and the likes. And I'm always yeah. on, on of the opinion. I used to change the, chase the numbers way back when. Now I don't care about that because I've got my meat niche. I know where my focus is. And I focus on the quality of engagement rather than necessarily the quantity. And sometimes I, I do posts and they die. And sometimes I do a similar post and it absolutely flies. And there seems to be no real rhyme or reason as to what has triggered that or, or not. So for us, it's more around you know, kind of what you were saying, just being consistently present engage in conversation with the people that you want to engage in conversation with yes hashtags definitely do help on linkedin 100 percent in terms of moving you around into different news feeds and different um, channels but then again when i get told a post is trending on linkedin in a particular hashtag I look at it, it's got like 500 views i'm like how the hell is that how is that trending but if you're going to push that into other people's news feeds saying this is trending okay good you know great great for uh, for that so yeah, so sometimes I think with, with that, I, we've researched the number of people in the hashtag communities. So uh, that, I find that interesting that, say, if you look at hashtag social selling versus legal tech versus influence marketing versus AI, you'll probably see AI and, and you know, social selling being bigger communities than influence marketing, mm -hmm. for example. And so 
if you choose a smaller community, they're probably your chances of trending are higher, yep. but you're probably going to hit a lot fewer people. I don't think many people see whether, I mean, if we, we talk about digital marketing and content marketing tactics, uh, digital marketing and content marketing are so much bigger communities than social selling or yeah. influence marketing or employee yeah. advocacy. So do you hashtag what you want to be known for? Do you hashtag the audience that you want to see your content and, and that's LinkedIn, always interesting you go to linkedin's um what their guidance they say do big hashtag and niche hashtag to spread across both um uh both pieces my view is i just focus on what hashtag might my intended audience be following and then use um use that because now you've got hashtag social selling hashtag digital selling hashtag modern selling hashtag virtual selling but if you look at the content across all four, four or five of those hashtags it's basically all the same because it's just sales and marketing so and i always get people go, oh, they haven't got very many followers on that hashtag and i say ignore the amount of followers on that hashtag if that hashtag is totally relevant to your audience and of course as we know put a hashtag into google and it's associated with that piece of content then that helps, you know, in terms of um, from a, a, a search perspective. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, you know what Instagram's now doing in terms of trying, um, hiding uh, like counts. Uh, I'm in a Facebook group because I'm a geek uh, for LinkedIn experts around the uh, around the world. And uh, one of the chaps from um, the Netherlands saying he's now seen some feeds where there appears to be no like counts publicly. So it, it would seem that, you know, LinkedIn is now trying to follow more of the, we'll go back to its roots, I guess, which is the, the community aspect, uh, members, uh, members first. Yeah. But it's, it's ironic that you're having that conversation on a Facebook group. I know, it is, because LinkedIn groups are crap. They're just not yeah. conducive yeah. to having, um, having conversations. And we kind of, uh, we, we kind of joke about it. Um, so, but, you know, what we are, what we've seen is that, and I think LinkedIn realized this, and you'll probably seen the same, they cornered the market. Because everybody suddenly shifted to LinkedIn, so the volume of traffic is going. So the updates that LinkedIn are now, you know, churning through polls, events, LinkedIn Live, LinkedIn Live and events now coming together. Um, I've seen yesterday that Jeff Ween has posted because somebody else is complaining that might um, expand the reactions and emoticons because people have complained that they can't react. You know, it's the thumbs up, it's the celebrate, it's the uh, I think smiley, the the curious, and one other. And they're like, this is just not a broad range enough to, if someone's posted yeah, something. Yeah, I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm quite you know, old school. I'm happy with the three options. Yeah. Um, you know. Then you did your report on how emoticons, remember last year on how emoticons can, you know, signal um, intent and so on and how many post people have spoke to smiley face, et cetera. So... Uh, yeah, I, I need to get I need to get out of this industry I think, <laughs> in, in, in 10 years because I'm going to be an old git. Very short answer. And to, don't, don't try. You can try and game the system, but it's always changing. Just focus on the hashtags you think are relevant to you. To your point, good content, be consistently present. And I think it's the four R's in summary. You know, the, the four R's that you, um, that you mentioned, focus on that. And over time, and this is the key thing, if I look at um, how I built my hashtag Ask Alex, which is my videos I do every, uh, every Friday, so that's been doing that for over two and a half years now. And now over the two and a half years, I actually have a community of people built around that. I, you know, when we used to go to conferences or people, oh, I know you, I see your videos. I'm not even connected to these people on, on social, but they've seen what I'm doing. But that didn't happen overnight. That happened over an elongated period of time, making mistakes. My videos have evolved rapidly um, over that. And I think that's the other thing with all of this. Yeah. 
is that some people you know, look at you know, the Kim Kardashians of the world and they kind of think, oh, you can do this easy. This is an overnight success. Or they look at you know, the, the other things, you know, the Facebooks of the world. And they kind of forget a lot of these organizations didn't happen overnight. And success, unless you're very, 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 very lucky, takes time, effort, and hard work. And you know, with social, you know, Rob McCargo being an example, you know, he's a prime example of effort, hard work, and look, you know, from PwC, look where that, um, look where that gets you. So yeah, absolutely, I think I think when I see people with, you know, networks of over a hundred thousand followers, uh, quite often they've built those, uh, you know, over five years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm just I'm wondering. I did this in my hypothesis because. Uh, you know, we're all trying to drive our own social influence, and it's hard to get to fifty thousand, you know, followers, for example. And I, I, I'm not even sure whether I'll get there. Um, yeah. And and so some of these, I don't know whether it was easier back then, and it's just harder, more competitive. But there's definitely some people that have got up there uh, in the past, uh, and I'm not quite. I've, I've asked them how they, but I haven't really found out anything that they've done differently to um to a lot of the good people like rob mccargo who are out there mm -hmm. um but yeah he's he's very influential done very very well but he doesn't have a um he doesn't have over fifty thousand followers um i don't believe no he doesn't um but to your point it's the it's the it's the right followers um if that makes sense and you have the small small community of the right people that then amplify what you uh what you do and there's a gentleman called um alex smith uh, in the legal sector and he has a i think he's got two three thousand two three thousand followers in terms of uh, on twitter he's very prevalent on twitter more so than linkedin and again he's kind of the master class of <clears throat> the rob mccargo's in the legal space everybody in legal and legal tech knows alex and when he was working for his previous kind of firm uh, the law firm in some respects people knew him better than they did actually brand of the entire of the yeah. entire organization because he's got a very niche community he knows his target audience and he's massively influential within the audience he wants to be influential in yeah it's great yeah it, it, and that's funny is that if you have a meeting with with uh, 50 people then everyone will say oh massive meeting but as soon as you go on social it's like oh only a thousand views uh, and you know if, if they're the right thousand people and that's great. But there's also, the, uh, I think you talk about this a lot, that there's a the lot of the lurkers, yeah. uh, you know, when uh, it's nice to get that, that feedback when someone says, oh, I saw your content. You're like, well, I didn't see you interact with it yeah. at all. And so there, there are, I don't know what percentages. And, and I think what, what I like about Rob is uh, that he's got a strategy, he sticks to it, you know, he's a good guy and he's genuine and, you know, he's getting the personal and professional uh, return from it. Uh, and so, you know, he's consistent, uh, you know, like you have been doing the Ask Alex for two and a half years. And I, I, I recall you dodging around a car park, um, making some yeah. point to think probably about um, hiding or, lurking. or lurking. Yeah, something like, was that the lurker as well? That see, see it's, um, it's it, it stuck in my mind um, because of, because of that. And I know, and I didn't know you back then. I just, well, I don't know where I was, but watching your video, um, well, I'm probably not running around a car park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, um, but but this is but it's hard to prove the ROI when you're a yeah. senior exec. You can't you can't say, oh, I think I probably got some lurkers watching that. Um, let's fingers crossed that we get some good results. You know, they need that instantaneous reaction, uh, which is uh, w which is the big numbers. And they're used to seeing millions on a, on a spreadsheet. So if mm. you say, I've seen a senior exec uh, look at uh, 56 likes and uh, 20 comments and say, 
what am I meant to do with that? Like, why is that impressive? And uh, I think your, your colleague, Adam Gray, showed how through the networks that mm -hmm. could be, you know, 40,000 people that see yeah. this, but they only see the 56 and 20. Yeah. Uh, and they don't multiply that, you know, they, they, they can't rationalize it. Indeed. So what's your final piece of advice then? How do you avoid instant gratification? Uh, from uh, individuals. Yeah, or in terms of how do you switch that? What would your five case rephrase the question? In terms of somebody thinking about this or not kind of really believing in this, and to your point, I want the instant gratification, 56 likes, what do I do? What would your kind of your, your piece of advice to be to, to them to think differently, dare I say? Yeah, what I like about this is, is there's your internal audience and external audience. So I think if you, you, you probably, if you're on social, you've got, and, it, and you've got a network already. So you can lean in on the network to get some support with your posts and then try to pick up some more network that's relevant. So I don't think post a comment without an image, without a video, without tagging people and, and just hope that something's going to happen. Of course, that would be sort of social suicide, um, probably the, the equivalent of. So I think, I think you've got to... Um, have a strategy that's going to be a winning strategy you probably got to commit to it for at least a month to see the traction and find out your routine you know is it in the morning and you know uh you know after you do the main part of your work um we obviously don't have a commute anymore so how do you build in you know that time mm -hmm. um and, and and then probably um you set yourself some milestones which which you're happy with that aren't you know I'm going to go viral within a couple of weeks. So I, I think I think you've got to be strategic about it. Um, you've got to have some quick wins uh, to feel good about it, but you've got to have more the long-term vision, which is connecting those milestones together. And if you don't see where you're going, then you're never going to hit the individual milestones. I like that. If you don't see where you're going, you're never going to hit those individual um, milestones. Uh, if my audience want my audience, that sounds very grand, but if they want to uh, connect with you, where's the best place to, uh, to find you, Tim? I'm sure you're talking to thousands of people, Alex. <laughs> so don't, don't be modest. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at Williams Tim on Twitter uh, or type Tim Williams Analytica into LinkedIn and you'll find me there. I'll Thank you very much for, for having me on your, no, it's been, it's, on your it's show. It's been great. I'll put both your, I'll put links to um, uh, your website, to, the, to your Twitter handle and uh, LinkedIn in this, and I'll put a link to the almost recent post on professional, uh, professional uh, services. So on that note, um, thanks to Tim. Thanks for his time. Thanks to you all again for tuning in and listening. We really do appreciate it. If you've watched us on YouTube, give me a like, give me a subscribe. If you're listening to my podcast, do the same. Share it with your, um, uh, your friends and colleagues. And if you do connect with Tim because of this podcast, please do mention it. Otherwise, that's it for today. Another podcast. Everybody keep well, keep safe wherever you are in the world. And uh, hopefully we will see you on the other side. Thanks all.